0: Well, we're in our series on the Sermon on the Mounts. And uh, as has been mentioned a couple of times, we're, been change- we're changing things up starting this week. We announced last week that we're, gonna, we're going acoustic, we're going a simpler setup than usual. We're taking the time that we would normally be spending doing that, not just so that we can have less setup or it could be harder for you guys to hear the speaker or the music. We're doing to take that time and say the most important thing that we can do as a people is to cry out for God to pour out his spirit upon us. That's the, our true need as a church and it's our community's true need. It's the greatest thing that we can do for our community. And the reason that we're preaching right now through the Sermon on the Mount is because it's God's declaration of what his kingdom, what does the kingdom look like? What does life look like under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ? It's Jesus' great declaration, Jesus' great proclamation. This is what life in my kingdom looks like. And that's what we want. That's really what we're praying for in this season. We're praying for God, let your kingdom come. That's why he taught us to pray that in, the, in his prayer. Hallowed be your name, O oh, Father in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Life in Jesus' kingdom is life that is full. It is a life of joy. It is true life, abundant life. It is eternal life. It is the longing of every single person's soul. Every, every deep desire that you have is truly a desire to experience joy that is ingrained in the DNA of your being to live life under the rule and reign of God alone, to live life in his kingdom, to know that fullness of life, to know the fellowship of God, to live, to know him, to know him. And empowered by that, to live a life of deep, personal, meaningful, authentic relationships with the people around us. Now, the, the text that we're in, this part of the sermon this morning, uh, may, doesn't at first strike us like that. And it, and it may hit at a tender place for a number of us in this room. And it, frankly, is supposed to. But I open talking about the kingdom and saying that life under the, in the kingdom of Christ is a life of full of joy. It is life abundantly. Because I think all of us who are believers, I know all of us who are believers would buy into that. Yes, life in the kingdom of God is life abundantly and full of joy. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. But in the process of us Aligning with the kingdom of God. It strikes us that we, by ourselves, left to ourselves, because of the fall, we are going the opposite way of the kingdom. And it can be painful for a moment when God's word comes and pierces our soul and shows us who we really are and how far away we are from his kingdom oftentimes. But I hope you guys will trust, not trust me, but trust God that life in his kingdom is that kind of life. And if you stick with, not with me, but if you stick with God and stick with what I think where the spirit is going to lead us this morning, I think we'll see the beauty that's found there. Let's look at the text again. Starting in Matthew 5, 31. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard, it said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. But shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, excuse me, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Like what you say, simply, let what you say be simply yes or no, anything more than that. Comes from evil. The first thing I want to highlight this morning, the reason we're looking at this passage, the the point behind this passage is that God is a covenant making God. The triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, have lived together, if you can say that, throughout all eternity in perfect unity and love inside the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, enjoying a deep sharing of joy and life and fellowship, enjoying the triune God's perfections inside, something that we cannot even grasp or imagine. God is by his very nature, because he is a triune God, God by his very nature is a God of fidelity. That, that means he's a, a God of deep faithfulness and commitment. Throughout all eternity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, living in perfect unity and fellowship together, God the Son, God the Spirit, God the Father. In this thing that we cannot understand of submission and joy inside the Trinity, Fidelity means that God is by his very nature faithful and constant and loyal. That's who God is by his very nature and his very character. Before he created the universe, before he formed mankind, God was and is and always will be faithful and constant and loyal. That is who God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is. That's what we really mean when we say that God is faithful. I used to, like, when I was younger, have a problem. Why, why do we sing and thank God for his faithfulness? It just seemed kind of self-centered, the way I heard it. Like, thank you, God, for being faithful to me. But that's not what the faithfulness of God means. The faithfulness of God means that in his very nature, in his character, he is constant. He is faithful. He is Loyal. It, it means that God is steadfast and he is trustworthy and he is unswerving. That's who God is. I, I married Megan 20 some odd years ago. And in some ways, I'm the same guy that she married. And yet in other ways, I'm not the same guy she married. There are certain things for better or for worse that she signed on with on that, on that day that September 18th, 1999, I just gave you the year, I don't care, we're we're kinda old. (laughs) There's certain things that she signed on to on that day that that have played out, and there's certain things that, that she signed on for that she wasn't even aware of. Certain ways that I would change, certain things that we would go through, because human beings are by nature changing. We shift, we grow. We digress. We mess up. But God alone is constant and unswerving. He is loyal and steadfast and trustworthy alone. And the way that God interacts with humanity is always in line of his fidelity and his faithfulness. God always interacts with humanity in fidelity and in faithfulness to uh, to himself and in everything that he has promised us. That's why God, the way that he interacts with humanity is through a thing called covenant. A covenant is not, you may have heard that word before, maybe you haven't. A covenant is not a contract. A contract is, say, like you come to me and say, I want to buy your car and we sign a contract, or I want to buy your house and we sign a contract that says that I will deliver this house under these certain conditions to you for this amount of money by this time. And if someone breaks any of those stipulations, the contract is suddenly null and void. But a a covenant shows the nature and character of God because the covenant, he says, this is who I am and this is who I've created you to be. I'm putting certain stipulations, certain obligations that we have to each other because we are going to be in relationship with each other. A contract is about a transaction, but a covenant is about a relationship. And God, from the very beginning, from Adam all the way through, from the garden all the way through, he has dealt with us according to his faithfulness in a covenant Relationship where God binds himself to us as humanity. He said, Adam, he said, I've made you in my image. I've given you the perfect partner. You are bone of each other's bone and flesh of each other's flesh. I've made you in my image and I've given you a great job to do. Go and fill the earth, subdue the earth make culture, create and understand science, write books and poetry, discover music, build buildings, make cities, build creation, go subdue and fill the earth. He said, but this one thing don't do though. This one obligation I give you follow after me and the way you follow after me, all these ways that are positive, but this one thing, don't eat of the fruit of this one tree. If you do, there'll be death. But if you don't, there'll be life. God's nature and his righteousness is shown to us in creation in this covenant relationship with man from the beginning all the way through till now. God made a covenant with the people of Israel. He says, I will be your God and you'll be my people. Here's my law. Keep my law, follow after me, stay close to me, because this is these are my ways, these are the ways this is what it looks like to live life in my kingdom. Live life in my kingdom, and you will have fullness of life. But if you don't, it will not go well for you. You will have death and you will have cursing. God has made us from the very beginning. He made us to be covenant keepers. God relates to us in the covenant, in an obligation of a relationship and he created in the very beginning man and woman in a covenant relationship with each other bone of my bone flesh of my flesh in a unity before god in a covenant relationship to each other that is made why why would god even create that well, it is made to showcase upon creation and in mankind what it means for God to be in covenant relationship with us. That's what Paul tells us. The covenant relationship of a man and a woman in the bond, in the, in the bond, the covenant bond of marriage is made to reflect, to be a shadow of God's covenant commitment to us as his people. But we, though God is a covenant-making God, we are chronic covenant breakers. Ever since the fall, where God made this covenant with mankind, and mankind broke that covenant and then fell into the, the, the rules of the covenant that, that brought death, And we saw sin enter the world and fracture everything. And what we see happen is it even fractured our covenant relationships with each other and the bond of marriage and our relationship with each other just as human beings. The images of God. God established marriage in the beginning to be a covenant. A husband and wife were one flesh. And they were to be, because they were in a covenant relationship, they were to be committed to each other for each other's common good at the deepest level. That's the picture of covenant love. Anytime you see in scripture the the term covenant love or steadfast love, what that means is it's a picture of God's unbreakable, steadfast bonded love to us as human beings, as his people. And we were made in our marriages to reflect that deep kind of bond for each other's common good, steadfast love to each other at the deepest level. But just as the fall broke that communion with, with God and us, it also broke into and brought into our marriages' distrust and dysfunction. It brought unfaithfulness into our marriages because God alone is faithful and loyal and steadfast and trustworthy and unswerving. And when we are separated from him, we lack any ability to be trustworthy or faithful in our own marriage covenants. And can you see just how egregious and tragic that really is, why Jesus is talking about divorce? He's saying in our, when we break the bonds, the covenant bonds of marriage, we destroy the sacred, sacred image of God's covenant faithfulness to us. And that's why it's so hurtful and so tender for so long when we're, someone is wronged in a marriage covenant. Why does it hurt so bad? Why does it hit such a tender spot? Why does it take so long to heal? Because it's not just a contract. It's a covenant. It's a covenant that was intended to be one of one flesh looking out for the deepest good of our partner. Just like God does to us. Yet, even though God made marriage to be so sacred and such a, a perfect picture a shadow though, but a, a perfect picture of his love and covenant faithfulness to us. Yet because of the fall and because of our sinfulness and because of the dysfunction that was brought into marriage and into our relationships, because of the, the brokenness that sin brings into our, into our lives, because we become covenant breakers because of sin in our lives, he gave to the Israelites an allowance for divorce in Deuteronomy 24.1, he allowed a husband to issue a certificate of divorce to his wife if he found, the quote is, indecency in his wife. If he found indecency in his wife, he was to be allowed to give her a certificate of divorce. If the husband found it impossible to, to any longer care for or love his wife because of moral failings, then a divorce could occur. And actually in this ancient society, it was actually safer for the wife that way because a wife could not, a woman could not own property. And so if she had a husband who no longer cared for her, who hated her, then she was totally left without any help or any recourse. And by husband giving her a certificate of divorce she could go back to her family and seek help and solace there but even with that allowance can you imagine because we are broken and we are unfaithful and we have dysfunction that's flowing through the course of our veins because of sin that provision was twisted over the years it became a way for, uh, for men to take advantage of women because, the, again, the men owned all the property. Women couldn't even testify in court. So, the, so they, they came up with this idea that they said, hey, what could indecency mean? Uh, maybe a lot of things could be indecent to the point that even some teachers of the law taught that if you found that your wife was getting a little bit bigger and not quite as attractive to you anymore. You could say, she is indecent and therefore I can give her a divorce and go and connect with somebody else. It could be anything that displeased a man about his wife, but it was supposed to be different than that. Marriage is supposed to look different than that. A marriage covenant is supposed to look different than that. Think about how how did God respond to us when we broke our covenant against him? In Matthew 19, Jesus said that we missed the point when we debate about exactly when divorce is allowable. Is it, is it when the, one of us cheats? Is it when one of us looks at porn? Is it when one of us do these things? He, he says that when we look by the law, in order to find out when divorce is exactly allowable, we are, we, we are trying to find loopholes rather than looking at people, because covenant is about relationship. The heart of a covenant is relationship, not rules. And there are obligations in that covenant, but it's because it is relational and not just transactional. We're not only covenant breakers in our marriage relationships, which is the, the, the nearest, dearest shadow of the covenant relationship that God is supposed to have to us as mankind, but we are covenant breakers, Jesus says, in all of our relationships. Again, you've heard it, it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely. You shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. There was an instruction in the law that said that you know, if as, as soon as you swear to or bring in the name of God or swear to or promise something or vow something to God, make an oath to God, all of a sudden you are bound to fulfill that oath. It doesn't matter what it was that you bound yourself to. And so, again, dysfunction, distrust, disloyalty, that's built, that's flowing through our veins because of the fall. When we wanted to get somebody to, when somebody wanted to get somebody to, to believe what they would say, you would swear to something greater than yourself. You heard somebody say, I, I swear on my mother, or on my mother's grave, I swear on something, something precious. And, but they said, like, if, if we swear. If I swear to you that I'm going to do what, what you say to do, and I swear to God that I'm bound to God, then we should swear to some other things. We'll swear to Jerusalem. That's where the temple is. Or we'll swear by Jerusalem. And they got into all kinds of semantics. If you swear by Jerusalem, you're not bound. But if you swear to Jerusalem, you are bound. If you swear by all these different things, then you're, you're okay if you, if you don't keep that oath, if you don't keep that vow, but if you swear by God or by certain things, then it's not. They found creative workarounds, and don't we do that too? We find creative workarounds so that our yes will not just be yes and our no will not be no, and it begins really early. Who teaches kids about the crossing your fingers things, right? <laughs> I don't know, where did that come from? But it, wherever, like some little, some little peewee manual, they read it and it comes in really early. We wanna find some workaround so that my yes doesn't have to be yes and my don't, no doesn't have to be no because by the very blood that's flowing through my veins, I'm a covenant breaker. I don't want to acknowledge the responsibility that I have to you as a person in the image of God to be truthful and honest and authentic with you, to fulfill my obligations to you, to do what I said I was going to do. And we okay that, don't we? You didn't read the fine print, I didn't read the fine print, you got me. We find all kinds of creative workarounds so that we can actually lie and deceive each other. We are by nature now covenant breakers. But it's not okay. And it matters. It matters because it goes against and doesn't honor and reflect the nature and character of God. That's why it matters. That's why marriage matters. It's not just a morality issue, in that it's a code of conduct that people are following or aren't following so that we can call them out. It's not a morality or a code of conduct that I can follow so I can find my way out of this marriage. It matters that we, are, that we should be covenant keepers instead of covenant breakers because it goes against and it doesn't honor and it doesn't reflect the nature and character of God in our relationships with each other. But here is the really good news this morning. That though God is a covenant-making God and we are chronic covenant breakers, Jesus is our covenant-keeping God. Amen. Jesus is the husband who looks at us when we are incredibly unfaithful and doesn't say, I have reason to get out. He says, no, there are obligations that you have to me and you have broken those and you deserve death and you deserve separation and you deserve to be cursed but I will step in and I will take that curse I will step in and I will take the negative obligations of that covenant I will come in and I will take that death I want I'm going to use this word in church I want the whore for my wife is what Jesus is saying and that's you and me we are chronic covenant breakers. Some of us this in is, is this room, we have actually broken the covenant of marriage. And we're sitting here looking at this and going, well, where does this place me? What places you in the same place? It places all of humanity who are covenant breakers. There are some of us here, we are incredibly dishonest with our spouses, with our friends, with our co-workers, with our bosses. We're dishonest with our time, we're dishonest with our money, we're dishonest with our taxes. We're dishonest just for no reason at all. We're dishonest for monetary gain. We're dishonest for, because of our image. We're dishonest not only with each other, but dishonest with God when he knows the full truth. And yet our covenant keeping Jesus says, I want you for my bride. that's where the picture of marriage gets so beautiful. That the covenant breaker is not just accepted or their failings are just overlooked by the covenant keeper but their failings are taken by the covenant keeper. Because here's the truth, our covenant breaking isn't allowable, but it is forgivable. And that's not a license to go out and sin more, it's not a license, it would be incredibly misunderstanding, it would be somebody who's not understanding at a heart level to think, well that means I could go out and do whatever I wanna do with my marriage and honesty and dishonesty. Because it's the person who knows that they are the whore. It's the person who knows that I, I am the unfaithful one. It's the person who knows that I had trampled underneath the, every vow and oath and obligation that I had to my creator and to my true husband, God the Father. And yet Jesus Christ the second one of the godhead the one who has been in that fidelity with god the father and god the spirit throughout all of eternity he stepped in and he took my place he took my curse think of how that would change your heart if you truly get that that's the kind of love that eclipses that eclipses all other loves That's the kind of love and faithfulness that can eclipse all of our unfaithfulness and stir us at our soul level to suddenly want to be faithful. Even though at one part of our mind we're saying, God, I'm still prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to wander from you. I'm prone to wander from my marriage covenant. I'm prone to wander in my relationships with other people. I am prone to wander. Yet, Lord, I, from my soul, I want, I want to be faithful. Make your faithfulness to me, your faithfulness through me, to the people that I'm in relationship with. We have a God who's a covenant-making God, and we are chronic covenant breakers. We trample underfoot that which is sacred and holy while we try to find loopholes around. But yet God and Christ is our covenant-keeping And it is our only hope to be changed, to be a people who look like that. And you know what's going to happen? The consummation of all things. The ending of this world as we know it is described as a wedding feast. When the bride of Christ is presented not as dirty and ragged, but as spotless, without blemish, clothed in a white robe and presented to the son. And we party with our husband for eternity because he has made us beautiful. And we don't celebrate the picture of us standing there before him that we see is not of us celebrating, look, see, I didn't mess up my marriage covenant technically one time, technically. <laughs> Those loopholes, remember? No, we say, we take any crown that happens to be standing on her head and we throw it at the feet of the one who is worthy of all praise and honor and glory, because any crown that's there is there because he put it there. Any faithfulness that we are able to muster is there because he put it there. Any ability he gives us as a husband or wife to forgive that the one who has wronged us is there because he put it there. The ability that he, the faithfulness that he put there for us to be forgiven is there because he put it there. The faithfulness that he gave us to start over again, whenever we botched it up before, is there because he put it there. The ability that we have to walk with integrity and honesty and truthfulness and let our bond be our bond and our yes be our yes and our no be our no is there because he put it there and not only will we cast in his crown but everyone around us who saw it will give all praise and honor and glory to him because it must be of him and through him and to him he is the faithful covenant keeper now where where does that put us this morning Maybe you have been incredibly unfaithful. Maybe there are things and issues that you have never dealt with. Maybe things that you need to own to a spouse, to a friend. Maybe the ways that you have brought, you have, that you have broken trust. I don't say that, we don't say this to, to your condemnation, but we say it for your freedom. Confess those. Run to your covenant keeping Christ this morning and plead and thank Him for His blood and His body that is broken and shed for you. And experience joy and life complete and full. And may, through that, may our relationships, in our marriages, in our business dealings, in our friendships, in our neighbor relationships, may they reflect the faithfulness of the one who is faithful when we are the covenant breakers. This is going to be a time for that. This is a holy moment for that. We're going to offer this morning. Don't let, that, don't let a Sunday pass by just looking it over. We're going to offer this morning to each other. It's not offered from me to you. We offer to each other in the name of Christ, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. The signs of the covenant. The meal of the covenant. The picture of the meal that we're going to celebrate together at the marriage feast of the lamb. We're going to offer that to each other this morning. We're going to sing and we're going to pray to that God. And I hope you'll let that joy, the fact that he is the rock that holds us, even when we are flapping in the wind, be the anchor for your soul this morning and erupt joy in your soul. We're going to have two stations like usual, one on each side. If you're a believer in Christ, it is open for you. If you need to pray, grab somebody beside you, grab me, grab Dale. We'd love to pray with you. If you need to come forward and pray and call out to the Lord, the the front is open, the sides do whatever, but but do not let this day pass without, if you need to to commune with the Lord this morning to do that. I'm going to pray. Feel free to come forward as you see fit. Jesus Christ, I thank you that you have mercy upon us, though we are chronic covenant breakers. In Christ, we pray you would come, that you would make us cognizant, make us, make us, Make your grace and mercy to us in Christ real this morning. God, make us to be covenant keepers. But Lord, we pray you would do so, not by our effort, but by yours. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We thank you that our salvation is held firm by the work of Christ. We thank you for the conviction of your word and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit. Help us not to grieve him this morning. And help us to experience the joy of our salvation. For you are all in all. It's in the beautiful and the glorious and the holy and the compassionate name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.